really, there's only two ways to consider God and to do it in truth and in righteousness based upon grace. There's only two ways. Anyone want to take a stab at it? The two ways that we, there's only two ways that we, we can know God. Only two ways. Yeah, in the flesh and in the spirit, yeah, in terms of who we are in Christ, that's, that's absolutely correct. I mean, just overall, overall, right? Yeah, yeah, the Holy Spirit, right? Yeah, it, you know, obviously it takes, it takes God, and God is the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And they all have an operation in that. But there's only two ways. Yeah, it is grace and truth, and that's who Christ came to be, grace and truth. But in terms of knowing God in all his fullness, there's only two ways to know him. And that is as creator and father. Creator and father. So, I mean, I can look at God, and this is what Genesis goes into. I mean, all the way, even before we get into the, the, to the people groups and where we see the prophecy going, there's only two ways to know him. And he brings it out crystal clear there. In those, in those literally, in those, I, I would say, in those nine, those first nine chapters. I mean, incredibly, incredibly. So in terms of all humanity, if I, if I believe the scriptures so he, he has made all of us of one blood. So what he's saying there is, and what we can understand is this. How would I explain? How do I understand even Genesis, those first nine chapters? And, and thank God that all scripture in, in 2 Timothy 3 and verse 16 is given, is breathed out by God. His, his very breath, God. You want to talk about creation. So again, so when, when I look at those first nine, nine uh, chapters, we know him as creator and father. There's only two ways to know him. There's only two ways to know him. And so it says here that in, in and it's very interesting too, in Acts the 17th chapter, who's pinging? It's the Acts the 17th chapter. It says, in verse 22, let's look at it. Well, look at verse 21. God. And this is going to explain knowing him just as creator. I mean, is there, the Bible makes it clear. Is there any human being that can function properly in their will? Okay? Like, like some can't. And for, for that reason, God has created those even like, like that. And they won't, if they can't use their own free will to receive Christ then in that sense, they're, they're not saved, but they're still safe. They'll go to be with him in his presence. And for whatever reason that he has, and I guarantee you, if the, if the reason, if we have to question, why did God create somebody like this? Like, that, that, you know, like, like some of those children that are created and they can't function properly in their world. Why did he do it? Well, the Bible says that he created everything for his glory. So there's, there's glory that's going to be involved in that. And again, there's only two ways to know him. So even, but those that know how to function with a proper will, that, that they can still function in it, right? They, some know him as creator, right? Some do. They give, they give uh, credence to it. They give credence to, yes, he is, you know, there is a God and he is a creator, right? But, but some, some don't. Some refuse. And this is, what, this is why, and this is what it's bringing out this morning, I think, too, and, we, and where we can see outside of, of him being creator and, and, and being father and, then, and then understanding prophecy. Then you have this. You have these verses in Psalm 14. In Psalm 14, verse 1, it says, The fool has said in his heart, No God. You're going to see in, in certain translations, like in mine right here in the King James Version, it, it, it says, There is is italicized. Because really what the Hebrew is saying is this, that anyone that knows how to think clearly, still with a free will, it's like Cain. Remember Cain? Was he taught the same thing as Abel? 
He did bring a sacrifice, but did he bring the right sacrifice? He didn't. He didn't. You know why? Because in Psalm 14, verse 1, the fool has said in his heart, no, God, no. No. Yeah, you may be out there and all that. I don't want you here. I don't want to be, I don't want to be accountable and I don't want to be responsible to you. So the fool, the fool whose confidence is in himself, so if I want to understand fool here, has said in his heart, no, God, no, no, right? They are corrupt. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that does good. The Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see to see if there were any that did understand and seek God. They are all gone aside. They all went away from him. They are all together become filthy, really stinking in the Hebrew. There is none that does good, no, not one. Have all the workers of iniquity no knowledge? Oh, yes, they have it. They have it all right. They most certainly do. And and then Psalm 53, 1 through 3 goes through with that. It goes through and says the same thing. And so when we think about these scriptures here, when when we think about them and give place to them uh, this morning, which is very critical for the preponderance of the understanding here, in terms of knowing God, in terms of knowing him, as creator and father, what we see is this. In in Acts 17 and verse 21, it says this, For all the Athenians and strangers which were there spent their time in nothing else. What is outside of God? What is outside of refusing? You have a will. You can still operate in it. You have a will. You most certainly do to recognize your creator, but you can refuse him. And of course, multitudes, multitudes, there are multitudes that recognize him as creator, but they can't recognize him as father until they receive Christ. There's only two ways you can know him. And then even as, as creator, even as a creator, what, what, what do we have there? Even as creator. Some refuse him. And others and others don't. And so this is what it says here in Acts 17, verse 21. They spent their time in nothing else. What they're doing is they're going over all these philosophies, the world, mixing the world in their thoughts. From the father of who? All lies in John 8, verse 44. All lies. So all philosophy. What a funny word. It's supposed to be love of the truth, right? Philosophy, love of wisdom, the Greek words. <laughs> There's an affection and a drawing for, for wisdom. Well, we know about wisdom. We know in, in, in wisdom, in 1 Corinthians, the first chapter, how, what kind of wisdom there is of the world under Satan and wisdom that is of God. And we can see that. And you see that in those first, you see that all through those first nine chapters. You see it, but you see an individual with eight others, they are functioning, not only recognizing God as creator, but they have him as father because they're in the ark. They're in type, they're in Christ. And that's why Jesus said in John 20 and verse 17, I'm going to my father and my God, I'm going to your father and your God because you're in me in that sense. So, this is what he said. So you, you men, you spend your time in nothing else. Nothing. So when it says nothing here, it's very interesting when you study, when you study these words like idle in the Hebrew and all that, they call them in Deuteronomy 29 and verse 15, they're idols, the Hebrew says, and God gave them this word. Okay, see all your idols outside of me and my son, outside of that? Guess what they are? They're dungy gods. That's why Paul said he counted everything dung in Philippians 3.8. He said it was all nothing. Because when you read 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter, in every single place you see love, not charity. You see agape. It's God's self-sacrifice. 
sacrificial love. Self-sacrificial love, meaning he sacrificed his son so that his justice could be met, so his love would be free and a just love to love us in a pure way. And that's why to the pure, all things are pure in Titus 1 and verse 15. And then in Acts 15 verse 9, it says their hearts, their minds were purified by faith, dependence on Christ as, as, as creator. And God is our Father. So it says they spent their time in nothing. So when you see that word love there, okay, you can put Jesus right there. If I have not Jesus, what do I have? Nothing. I don't have a thing. And there's where all your philosophies and all your cults and every other thing comes from. That's where they all come from. They spent their time in Acts 17, verse 21, in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. You know why? They call it New Age. Yeah, no, it's, it's fairly old, believe me. They call it new, something new. You even see that when, when believers, even believers, there's unsaved, but there's believers too who don't want truth to continue in it because it does away with the self-life. They have itching ears and they go looking for all kinds of things. You see that in 2 Timothy 4. And that's why in verse 2, we're commanded, those that have the gift, to, to preach and teach. They are commanded to preach and teach the word, whether it's inconvenient or not, whether they feel like it or not, whether it's received or not, because the time will come when they will not endure sound teaching, but will give their ears over. The enemy giving them something to itch. Something to itch. And then, here it is. Some new thing. Acts 17, verse 22. Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, You men of Athens, I perceive that in what? All things. You are too what? Superstitious. Because is there any superstition in who God is? Love. No. Here it is. Verse 23, for I passed by and beheld your devotions. And really what it says is your worships, by the way. So, I mean, honestly, when we as Christians, we either worship God and submit to him, or what do we worship? Something in the flesh. And if it's in the flesh, who daddies the flesh? Wouldn't that be, wouldn't that make us, (laughs) wake us up to instant obedience? Wouldn't that be something? Well, I passed by and beheld your worships, your devotions, because you can't serve two masters in Matthew 6 and verse 24. You're going to hate one and love the other, or love the other and hate one. Psalm 97 verse 10, which we shared the other day. All you that love God, you'll hate evil. Now, in the only place that we can understand, and we've said this recently, that we can understand and know what sin is. Not We, don't, we can't sin in his presence, but the only way to understand sin or grace and everything about who God is is in his presence. Psalm 16, 8 through 11. So what we see here then is, he said, I passed by and beheld all your worships. I found an altar. It's a place of sacrifice. With this inscription, to what? To the unknown God. You remember when Jesus met the woman at the well in John 4, 23, 24, and 25? He said, you worship what you know not. We worship who we know. Isn't that awesome? We worship who we know. God is spirit in 423 of John. God is spirit and they that worship him. He's seeking them in 423. God is seeking true worshipers. Has he given us his son when we received him? Yes, there's the place. God is spirit, and he's searching for them in 423. And hey, they that worship God must worship him in what? Spirit and in truth. And outside of of self-sacrificial love and outside of covenant, see, every single covenant that God made had to do with a self-sacrifice. There was a sacrifice involved in it. His, not ours. And that's where all the types refer to Christ. That's what, that's, remember we said the first thing that Noah did 
when the ground was dry. In other words, there was a deliverance from judgment, just like in the Red Sea in Exodus, the 14th chapter. The Red Sea speaks of salvation. They walked on dry ground while the waters of judgment were on either side. Then now, after the flood, the baptism, now they're delivered and they walk on dry ground. The first thing he did was offer a sacrifice to God. And then when he did that, it says, he could offer, because of grace, thanksgiving to God. Boy, when my mind is, you know, when our minds are on him, we can, there's always him to be thankful for. Never mind something, of course, there's many things that we can be thankful for. But the fact that we are in him, the fact that he takes the time and our sojourn on earth as strangers in First Peter 2.11, by the way, we're strangers on this earth, no question about it. We don't settle down in it and make it our own comfortable little kingdom and little place like Cain did in Genesis 4, 16 to the end of the chapter. And all his entertainment and everything about it was, was to keep religion in and a sacrificial Christ out. All entertainment. See, everything about it was to keep Christ out. And that's the flesh. God forbid. That's the flesh that's in us, but we're not of in Romans 8 and verse 9. See? We're not of it. We're of Christ. He said, I pass by to the unknown God whom you therefore ignorantly worship. The only thing I can tell you is this morning, when God gives me his word, I, I say constantly, oh my God, who can do this God? Well, the only, the only one. God can only do about himself. Notice that. God only does about himself. That's what he reveals. What else is to figure out? Try and figure him out. A part of submission, his word, and Christ, and the Holy Spirit. You can't do it. So I said, and then I went upstairs after my study, and I went upstairs, and I went in the bathroom, and I'm like, God. I, I said, you know what? At my very best, <laughs> You know, and if you want to see what our best is, read Psalm 39, verse 5. Uh, at his very best, he's vanity. We're like vanity, like a little breath. I said, at my very best, God, I'm ignorant. I mean, if you give me, if you give me, all, if God gave me all this understanding about who I am in Christ, right? And then I, and then I forget it and I'm in the flesh. At my very best, what am I? I'm ignorant. And boy, if that's not dealt with, it enters into rebellion and stubbornness and resistance against God. There's no question about it. There's no question about it. We'll just do it. The, to the unknown God, therefore, you ignorantly worship him. Declare I unto you. God that made the world, there's creator, God that made the world and all things therein. Oh, my God. Seeing that he is, notice this, Lord of heaven. When was he Lord? When I made him Lord of my life? Who is the creator? Christ the Son. John 1, 3. Colossians 1. In verse 16, he created all things. God the Son created all things. He spoke them into existence. We're in Hebrews 1, verses 2 and 3. We're in Hebrews 11 and verse 3. He framed them and he holds them together. <laughs> God, so incredible. God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven, look it, and earth, will I ever... God has us in a place to understand certain things. He does. But his creation is way beyond the place of what we even understand. What makes us think we know anything apart from him? Read, read Isaiah, the 40th chapter. You can start like in the 12th verse and go to the end into the 31st verse. A beautiful correlation there. We think we know anything. God, help us. His ways, it says, are past finding out. Why? 
in Romans 11 and verse 33, because he inhabits eternity, God, in Isaiah 57, verse 15. And here we are, and no wonder we're going to grow for all eternity, because even as we grow in the place where we are in eternity in his presence, he still is way beyond that. <laughs> How are we doing this morning? Isn't it? It's amazing to me. And I said, hey, my very best, God, I'm at my very best, I'm ignorant, but God forbid I should stay that way soon. Because if I do, and I'm not taught, and what I'm taught, I don't give myself over to my will and obey, and don't and 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 resist. Acts seven fifty one. They resisted him, like they always do. You resist the Holy Spirit. There you are again in John sixteen seven, right to the right to the fifteenth verse, and you can see the beautiful flow. And when you, when we see that. God forbid that because if we don't obey in 1 Samuel 15, 22, God is not interested in sacrifice. You know, we, when we live in the flesh as believers, we will do everything to sacrifice God to continue to live in disobedience in certain areas. And God is not interested in that. He's interested only in obedience. That's why we need to cast down whatever's not of him because we have a whole invisible atmosphere coming against us in 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 4, and we need to cast down imaginations, these false reasonings and these lies, cast them down. Every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. See, that's what they were involved in in, in Greece, in Mars Hill. Everything that was against him and against his Christ, because the only way God would reveal himself is through his Christ, through Christ. His Christ, the Word. And it can only be by grace and truth. It could only be that way, which Christ was and is in John 1 and verse 14. So, God made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven. <laughs> That's all eternity, guys. Hello. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> and earth. <laughs> and earth dwells not in temples made with hands, neither is worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything. Oh, I wish the covenant theologians and the Lordship Salvationists think that they can do a thing, any of us in the flesh, by the way, that we can do, that God needs you and I to do something that only his son has done. He has completed it for himself through his son, and in doing so, he's done it for us. Not he, as though he needed anything, seeing he gives to all life and breath and all things, and has made of one blood all nations of men to dwell on the face of the earth. That's why he gave the, the uh, law of capital punishment, because man was created in his image. We are all of one blood. That's creator, and many recognize him, but he's creator way out here. And oh, how he desires the intimacy of us, intimacy with us, through giving us his son, and in doing so, he gives himself to us as a father. That's Galatians 4 and verse 6, and that is Romans 8 and verse 15. With that inheritance in 8.17 of Romans that we have in him. So that's what it's saying, that he's made of one blood all, of, all, of all nations of men to dwell upon the face of the earth. And look it, has determined the times before appointed. Do you know that? God knows. Before he created us a day, as long as we were going to live on this earth. Making it very clear. And how much opportunity. He, he made the earth. Time began in Genesis 1 and verse 3. That's when it began. Because all there was before that was eternity, where the rebellion of Satan took place in Isaiah 14, at 7 to 17, at 9 to 17, I should say, and then all the way again in Ezekiel, the 28th chapter, in the 15th verse down, describes this rebellion in eternity. He determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. Nat natural life, Relative to what happened, Methuselah, he was the oldest guy. He lived 969 years. 
And then as time began, in his, the perfection of his plan, the lifespan was shortened, shortened till Psalm 90, verse 10. We normally live three score and 10, if by reason, 80. So average lifespan, some more, some less, obviously. But what is it? Time that he gave them on this earth for what? That they should seek the Lord. Well, what if they're never taught? Well, they have his creation. In Psalm 19, 1 through 6. And that creation leads you to a creator in the rest of those verses. 7 to the end of that chapter. Brings us right to it. That they should seek the Lord, if haply they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of them. Well, what does that mean? Well, do you have breath? Yes. Where do you suppose that came from? Who created the oxygen? Who created man, his lungs? He's as close as the air is in your lungs and you breathing it in and out. He's that close. That goes into, again, for us in Christ, even in Ephesians 2 and verse 12, he's very near and hopefully you find him. But you have to seek him. And that's why, of course, God would never violate or take away someone's will or bypass their will that could function in it properly. That they should seek him and find him, though he be not far from every one of them. Listen, for in him we live and move and have our being. As even certain of your your poets have said, we are his offspring. He's referring to Psalm 82 and verse 6. And to understand it, he said, you are God's. Well, you are, you have the ability to rule and reign because you're created in the image of God. That's all it's saying there. And the judges and fathers of Israel to teach and show them. And so we know God, we only know him in two ways. We only know him as, we only know him as what? As, as, do we know him only as creator? And we know him as what? Father. And how do we know him in both? It's in Christ. Because no man knows the Father except the Son. Matthew 11, verse 27. And no man knows the Son but the Father and him to whosoever he will give. And that's in John 6, 44. Uh, and John 6, uh, 44 and 65 of John. And he draws us. Just think about it. He draws us to himself through his Son. You want to talk about a visible covenant sign the greatest one ever Christ putting on humanity and becoming the sacrificial lamb and fulfilling all those types as their faith Noah's Abel's Abel's Adam Eve Abel not Cain obviously we are all children right is God the father of all his children no is he their creator? Yes, because some are of their father, the devil, in John 8, verse 44. We're all of one blood in terms of our natural fallen humanity. Yes, creator. But you know, again, it makes it very clear. You have a will? Yeah. That's why you, you tell me, tell me an honest and true atheist. No. 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 Biggest liar that walked the face of the earth. And we all, all men can be at times. In Psalm 116, 11, and, and in Romans 3 and verse 4, and in Numbers 23 and verse 19, God is not a man that he shall lie or ever change his mind. We, we don't do that in who we are in Christ. We would only do that as, as believers when we function in the flesh. We go back to lying and changing our mind. But does God change? In Malachi 3.6, in James 1.17, does he change? He does not change. Listen, and he will never change the fact that because we're in Christ, he's our father. He's creator. Oh, yeah. But in the most intimate, God, I can't, it's so amazing. In the most intimate way, he's father. He wants to be father. His desire is that they shouldn't perish. In 2 Peter 3 and verse 9, he has no joy in the sinner. 
in Ezekiel 18, verse 33 and on. He has no joy that they would perish without him and spend eternity without a father. Knowing that he was created, but even more he desired to be their father. Much more. And the fact is, the only way he could do that was to give his son by whom he created the worlds, it says. Listen, the worlds. <laughs> Jeez. And what does a creator do? He creates worlds, plural worlds. And a world, when we say a world, it's like our earth. And if he created the plurality in innumerable worlds, and each has their stars, and our sun is a star with its planets revolving around it, how many are the stars? And can any human mind ever compute them? Can any computer? Answer, no. Because God inhabits eternity. And yet this is the one who get, as creator who gave us his son so that he could intimately father us through Jesus Christ. It is amazing. I mean, it is just incredible. And... I said to God, I said, God, at my very best. I mean, I can't know these things outside of you as being a father. I may be able to declare them as creator, but to experience them, the only way to do that is to have a loving father and not separate him as a loving father from his creation as, as creator and how the philosophy tries to explain it. You can believe the nonsense that, and, and in some things, that's why I said I'm skipping over. And not that by the grace of God that he did not have me study it. And, you know, and it's like, geez, it's so much, God. I know, keep doing it. You know, it's like, wow. The things that the human mind gets involved in apart from God. My God. My God. And ignorance Ignorance. It's no sin. It isn't. It isn't wrong to be ignorant. It's wrong that in an unknowing state, and that's what it means to be ignorant. To be. It is wrong in in an unknowing state when truth is revealed to resist it. Now it's rebellion and stubbornness. And rebellion in First Samuel fifteen and verse twenty three is as witchcraft. That means under the spell, under the atmosphere, the Satan and his demons. That's what it brings out clearly. And stubbornness is as idolatry. Did you ever hear someone brag about their stubbornness? That's who I am. Exactly. Yeah. Is idolatry what makes us stubborn? I have idols that I don't want to let go. And those idols in a believer's life that are in the flesh, not who, in who they are in Christ, but in the flesh that's, that has been done away with positionally but enters into their experience, that idol becomes that thing that competes against Christ in you and you in Christ. Having a true God, it's 1 John 5.20, we're true in Him, and this is the true God and Jesus Christ. And all my little children, keep yourselves from idols. That's spoke, was that spoken by John? Yeah, through the Holy, the Holy Spirit, through John. You're my children. You are my children. Are all God's children. Are all God's children. No. They're all his creatures. They're all his creatures. We just read it, right? Acts 17, verse 26. We're all as creatures, but are all, do all have God as their father in John 8, verse 44. No, you are of your father, the devil. He was a murderer from the beginning. There's no truth in him because he, he abode not in it. He's a liar and the father of all lies. Simple. Father of all lies. And that lie is having its full effect. And that lie is being worked out in prophecy on the earth because as far as God is concerned, it's finished in heaven. He's just working it out on the earth. I can't even imagine what our eternity is going to be like. I mean, just, just think about it. Just think about it. We, we, we will 
all come face to face with our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. We're going to all face him and in the most intimate way and experience a loving father, a loving father. We will experience him and we will only experience him through Christ because God put on the most visible sign of who he is, his son. The most full, and, and there was a covenant and it was based upon sacrifice. And that went between God and the son. He had to first take care in John 1, 29, behold the lamb of God takes away the sin of the world. That's, that's the son propitiating in Genesis 22 and verse eight, God providing himself a sacrifice, a lamb, so he could provide and then give that lamb to us. Do you see how that works? The, 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 the son gave himself to the father. Well, why would he do that? Well, because who created his, his humanity in the womb? Wasn't it God? Of course. Of course. And in doing so, then God, so the son freely gave himself to the father. And then the father being propitiated freely gave the son to us as a substitute so that we could be reconciled. Because propitiation in its first place has to do with God. And then when we receive Christ, we're justified, cleared of all guilt and condemnation. We have a substitute. Thereby, we're reconciled. God never needed to be reconciled. He loves everybody. He loves, listen, this is, this is unbelievable. He will love, and he can't change who he is. He can't. But he to love, without wrath, justice being fulfilled, it's love, but it's still wrath. That's even in baptizing the earth, by the way, in the flood. And does he love those that are in hell and will go to the lake of fire? Humans. Does he love them? Yes. But do they experience it? No. That, that, as some have said, will be the greatest pain in hell, the memory of rejecting such perfect love when they meet Christ face to face for the, for the first and last time at the great white throne judgment in Revelations 20, 10 to 15. And then they are cast into the lake of fire, which is eternal, by the way. And that's crystal clear, because whatsoever God does, he does forever. And so, anyway, those are some thoughts. And uh, again, we're going to get into all those people. I don't know when, but God just, he just has this, these things for us right now. I mean, and, and I can only go as I stand here and, and just stand here as, as an available vessel. I mean, I can only go so far as, as far as he takes me. I and and hitting his love. He doesn't let me go beyond that. <laughs> you know, of prophecy and having to do with the earth. And, we'll, and we will see where all these people groups come from that became these countries and these places of location, like Africa, and where they all came from, the Arab nations, where they came from, um, Russia, where they came from and England, and, and all these countries where they came from. They came, obviously, from the after, you know, there were only three sons, right? There were only three sons that were on that ark. And then when it was on dry ground and Noah came out, they only had three sons. And out of that came every people group. And you will even see those three sons, right? Shem, Ham, and Japheth. There were three sons, and, all, and he repeopled the earth then. Because this seed was, and that's what God had. That's what he had, yes, at that time. And that's where all these nations came from, on the earth. And prophecy has to do with the earth and God fulfilling what only he can fulfill. And so, with that, does anyone have any questions or comments or about that? Does anyone? No? Okay, Mike. You know, it, it does, and 
and that's one of the things I wanted because you can only relate to him if he's not your father you only relate him as creator and what does he care really you know but but I didn't see the clarity of that till this morning I didn't see it you know I thought again okay I'm going to proceed I'm going to proceed remember how I've been saying now okay finally today we're going to be in the 10th chapter we're going to explain all the people <laughs> and God is basically this morning he wouldn't even let me go there he, had a dear, he wanted this creator and father subject to be, to be dealt with in me, you know. So, I mean, he's creator and father, and as a father, I mean, he's not going to take care of his children? Sure he is. He's taking care of our eternal destiny, by the way. He's, that's already done. We, we are on our way to the most glorious, brilliant eternal future that we can't even imagine and will it be worth to go through in preparation and training for that just so we can have that intimate fellowship with him and learn about it even for all eternity what an amazing thing god almighty so anyone else any thoughts huh <laughs> Aren't you glad we have all this even before we, we, we go into the, you know, because what's, what's more important? To know all who those people are and to understand it? Or to understand him as not only his creator, but as our loving father through Jesus Christ? God. And that's what even, and that's what God's establishing in a way I didn't know, but now he's making it even known in 2 Peter 1. Eh? We have a more sure word of prophecy. What is the more sure word? What he's explaining to us as creator and father. Yeah, much more. Because will prophecy end? Read 1 Corinthians 13. Will prophecy end? Yes, when time does. Then we're in the eternal future. And everything about our eternity has to do with what? Who Christ is in us and who God the Father made us in the love of his Son. For all eternity. <laughs> that's, why we, that's why foundational truth is so extremely important. Because you can't even build properly prophecy on that. You'll, you'll, it'll be just something you're afraid of. Or something to cause fear. And is there any fear in love? In 1 John 4 and verse 18. And as good, does God give us the spirit of fear in 2 Timothy 1.7? We shared it last night. And when we fear, what is fear? Fear, it's a spirit. It's spirits, fallen de angels, demons. It's a spirit that we give place to in the flesh. It's a spirit. Fear. Fear. But God has not given us, all of us in Christ, the spirit of fear, but of power. And who's the power? 1 Corinthians 1, 24, Christ. The power of God and the wisdom of God and we're kept by him in 1 Peter 1, 5. And we need to understand in 1 Peter 2, 11, that we're strangers and pilgrims. What's that mean? We're not settling down. We're passing through this worldly wilderness on our way to our Canaan, our land of promise to Christ. Who was that type? And who will be on the earth during millennial reign? He'll be their Messiah, but we'll be married to him. And by the way, for all eternity. <laughs> that speaks of the most intimacy, the most intimate intimacy we could even imagine. I don't know. No wonder it says, Ephesians 3, 19, to know the love of Christ that passes what? We'll never come to the end of his love for us for all eternity when prophecy on the earth is over. We have a more sure word of prophecy. Amen? Okay. Unbelievers can only know God as a judge, yeah. not even as a creator, right? Well, they can recognize him as creator as, as far as that can go, but now he's a judging creator. 
right? Right, why? Because does wrath have to, what does God's judgment have to do with? He's just one angry God, like ripping mad at everybody. No, no, it was wrath that we deserve that was poured out on Christ on account of our sins. And back at one, in verse 13, his eyes are so pure, can't even look upon iniquity. And that's why in Proverbs 24 and verse 9, even the thought of foolishness is sin. And we just blow it off. And it caused Christ's life. If it was one sin for one person, he would have had to have been sacrificed for that one sin and that one person. Of course, we'll categorize sin like the enemy try, The enemy for the Christian and the flesh. Oh, we'll categorize it. Certain things you wouldn't dare do. Some are okay, but just keep them hidden. Do them in the light of his presence, just as long as, in Psalm 90, verse 8, as long as no one else sees you. <laughs> God. How, how silly, right? Can't, you know. And so, yeah, so it is, it is in that sense. It is as judge. But do, do we face him? Do we understand what chastise? God's judging me for my sin by causing me to be chastised and spanking me? No. That's why we teach it. And, we, and I say we, Holy Spirit takes the word, shows it unto me. It's all of ours. It's loving chastisement. <laughs> because if he didn't in Hebrews 12, 7 and 8, we would be what? Bastards. And what is a bastard? The product of an illegitimate relationship. No father. Don't know who your father is. But you were born a certain way. Like we were, like we needed to be born what? In John 3, 3 through 5. We need to be born what? Again, <laughs> in Christ. And we have a loving father through receiving Christ. Good. Does anyone else have a question or comment? Anybody else? Yeah, based on what he just said about judgment, going back to John 16, that word, love. Say, I'm sorry, can you say it again? Going back to John 16, and even what, I think that was Juddy L. It was Juddy L., yeah. About judgment. Yeah. Yeah, but we're going and so in our flesh, we we we're going we we experience God as a judge in our flesh because what we did wasn't enough. That's why works are out. Read Galatians one six to nine. There's no other gospel. It's only a pseudo lying thing. There's only another. There is no other gospel. There is no other way to be saved in Acts four twelve than Christ. He's the one mediator. First Timothy two five. In Job 9, verse 33, there's only one go between. He's done it. He has finished the work. He doesn't stand now like those priests. Read Hebrews. He doesn't stand like those priests. And, and read the ninth chapter of Hebrews 7 through 9. Read those about the priesthood. He doesn't stand every day and do it yearly. He doesn't do that anymore. It's done. He finished the work. But in the flesh, when I, the only thing I can do when I function in the flesh and when I stay there ignorantly because I'm not taught or I'm rebellious or ignorant is it's never enough. God, you're so hard. I can't please you. You might as well forget it. Yeah. But who's the hard one? Who's the hard head? Boy, I'm telling you. How long have you heard, and it's God and it's grace, but how long, you guys can come over here, how long have you heard me say the importance of in and of? It's been a long time because it's that important. And do I need to know it? 
constantly. And will I? Can you grab me that? No. And put it on the... Yeah, and put that... No, right on the top of that. What's that? Yeah. Okay, and that's okay. So, and that's the circle of his love, and it can only pass through grace. Right? Yeah. Jeez. But, you know, as as a little piece of dust, me as a little piece of dust, a little past the teacher. Boy, do I have joy when people finally understand these things. It benefits me. Listen, it does. Not that I know anything, not that I'm above anybody or below, but boy, the joy that you get when people finally are like, yes, yes. Whew. And the circle there, we need to know too, the circle that is, Okay, is like a ball. It's not just a. It's not just a three sixty. Okay, and that's why that's pointing to Romans eight thirty one to thirty nine. I mean, it's <laughs> he's above us. He's below below us. He's on our left. He's on our right. He's all around us. He encircles himself. Think about that. Jeez, it's not just this little circle like this. What is going on here? <laughs> oh, so, anyway. Anyone else have anything? Oh, hey, stop that. God. All right. All right. Well, that'll be it.